Good. Well, tonight I'm going to be sharing a message that uh, I felt the Lord putting on my heart to share in Myanmar. Uh, and so you guys are going to get kind of a sneak peek. It was a message that uh, I know in Myanmar, the people there, one of the biggest struggles for the Christians there is idolatry. And they'll accept Christ, but then their parents or their friends or society or simply the idols themselves will draw the people back in. And they'll disown them. If you don't worship this idol, you're disowned. If you don't worship this idol, you can't be in our community. If you don't worship this idol, yada, yada, yada. And because of that, uh, many of the Christians fall away. Many of them go back to their idols. And uh, a word that the Lord was putting on my heart as I, I prayed about it, I realized that this word is not just for Myanmar. That although their struggles in terms of idolatry might be different from ours, and that their idols are more like Buddhist figurines or just different things, that every nation here on earth has our share of idols. And every nation has its culture where you need to worship this type of idol or you're not accepted. You need to act in this sort of way or we'll reject you. And uh, this is what I'm going to speak about tonight. It's a word that I sense the Lord is, is calling to his people all around the world, his Christians all around the world. And uh, what that word is, is come into my fire. Come into my fire. So before I get into this message, let me go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for this evening. I just thank you so much for my brothers and sisters that are in this place. God, I thank you so much for your great love that you have for us, for your mercy, Lord God, that you cover us, Lord God, with your feathers. And under your wings, we find refuge in you, Lord, that you are our comfort. You are our refuge, our defender. You are our strength. You are everything, our help in time of need, and we just exalt you in this place. And Lord God, I just speak into every tired heart, Lord. I pray that you release energy, that you release just a, just a new a breath, fresh breath into our lungs, that we may just breathe your life in tonight, that we may hear your words and you may just stir in our hearts, that you may just reignite that fire, that you may continue to build us up in full surrender to you. Holy Spirit, I ask that I may just be your mouthpiece tonight, that you may just guide me through this. That it not be my words, uh, but it be your words, that you may just grant me the humility uh, in myself and the confidence in you to speak these words and to speak them with boldness. And uh, may you bless your church as they listen to your word. We exalt you, Lord, and we just enthrone you in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you guys could open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. If you're there, say fire. fire. That's right. Knock them out. All right, Matthew 3, verses 11 and 12. I'll be reading to you in the ESV. Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, John the Baptist is speaking to the people and he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire, fire. You guys could just turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10, and then you can lay your Bible down. And we'll go back to this a little bit later. But it's the fire of God that I want to speak to you all 
about tonight. And in Hebrews 12.29, we read that our God is an all-consuming fire. That that is his character. He is an all-consuming fire. And for us to truly know God, for us to truly experience him, we have to experience every attribute of him, every area of his life. And for some of us, we've really experienced his grace in mighty ways. So we know that God is gracious. Some of us have experienced his love in powerful ways. So we know that God is a loving God. Others of us have experienced his justice and his wrath against the enemy. And we've received that, that the Lord is the commander of the Lord's army, that he is a God of justice and righteousness. And it's as we receive these different aspects of God, as we receive revelation of these different parts of the Lord, that we're truly able to know him and to know him completely. And I believe God wants to share tonight, what he wants to share tonight is a revelation of his fire, of who he is. He is a consuming fire. But what does this mean? What are the attributes of the fire? If we are truly covered in the fire of God, what should we look like? What should be going on in our lives? What does the fire of God do? So what I'm going to do first in this message, I'm going to share some of the attributes of the fire of God, the characteristics of the fire of God. So if you're taking notes, the first attribute of fire, the fire of God, is that it is a source of Light. It is a source of light. I mean, this is pretty obvious. When you have no power, if the lights would suddenly go out in this place, what would we do? Uh, we'd have to, unless we had a flashlight, we'd have to take a candle and light it on fire. And then we can see in the room. And so you see in the Israelites, when they were in the desert and they were walking in the darkness at night, God would send down a pillar of his fire of who he was, a pillar of his fire, to guide them by the night. When we receive the fire of God, we receive clear revelation of what he wants to show us. We're able to see clear, clearly what his will is for our lives. Daniel 2.22 says, He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness, and light is found with him. And it's as we receive the fire of God that we're able to see more clearly the will of the Lord, able to see more clearly the things of the Lord, the things in the spiritual realm. And as our brother Caleb shared tonight as well, that not only do we receive light that we can see, but God says that we are the light of the world. And when his fire is upon us, the world notices. They see that fire that is glowing upon us and they're drawn to us. I don't know if you've ever done a big bonfire at a, at a camp. But what I found is whenever there's a big fire, people will just gather and they'll just stare at it. And I mean, it's almost like what they had before they had TV. They had fire and they would just watch fire. But that's what happens. There's something captivating about the flames. And that's the same with the flames of God. When the fire of God is upon your life, people notice. People see it and people are drawn to you. And you're also able to see things more clearly in them and you're able to guide them as well. That is the first attribute of the fire of God. It is a source of light. Second attribute of the fire of God is it brings warmth and comfort. I think this might be what a lot of you guys need right now. But fire, it brings warmth and comfort. Have you guys ever been outside in the freezing cold? I'm just imagine right now. You're outside and it's snowing and it's freezing and you're all wet. You know, the wet snow that's really cold. You know, and it's getting through your, your stuff and you're freezing and you go inside and there's a fire and you're able to just 
get up close to it. Isn't that just warming and comforting? Especially if you have the s'mores. It's nice. The fire of God. The Lord brings comfort to his people. A blessing in the Bible in Numbers 6.25 is let the light of his face shine upon you. Let his, the light of his face shine upon you. Because it's when the light of God's face shines upon you that you're able to feel his warmth. Just like a plant feels the warmth of the sun coming upon it and takes in those rays and is able to grow. It's the same for us. When we receive the warmth of the Lord, just the light of his Lord shining upon us, we're truly able to grow. We're truly able to grow strong in him. Isaiah fifty-seven eighteen says, I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him. The Lord is going to heal us by his fire. He's going to bring warmth and comfort. And he's going to lead us as well as that source of light. And it's as you receive the fire of God that you too do not just receive the source of light for yourselves, but you're able to be a light for others. You too don't just receive warmth and comfort for yourselves, but when you pray for others as well, they feel the warmth and comfort of God going forth through you because of the fire of God upon you. Take confidence in that when you are on missions and you are praying for people who can't even understand a word that you are saying, that when you are praying, the Spirit is soothing them, that the fire of God is upon this church. And when you lay hands, that fire is going forth, whether you feel it or not, and they're receiving it, and it is comforting them. It's blessing them. A third attribute of the fire that I had never thought about until today uh, when I was actually writing this up, but it is defense. Defense. The fire of God defends us. Zechariah 2.5 says, I will be to her a wall of fire around her, declares the Lord, and I will be her glory within. God says, I will be a wall of fire around my people. By his fire, the Lord protects his people. When you read the Bible and you read about angels appearing in times of trouble, often it would be noted in the scripture that the angels were flaming. They had fire all around them. But you'll notice in times when there was no war, the fire wasn't there. It's kind of interesting. Fire symbolizes protection. I'll share with you guys a, an interesting story. I knew uh, I met these two missionaries. Uh, they were part of a ministry called Travel the Road. And they started in, I believe, Vietnam. And then they just walked all the way through Africa, through Asia, through Africa, and back. Uh, they, would, they would hitchhike as well. Uh, jump on different trucks, but they traveled all throughout the Middle East, all the way down through Africa and back. And they had amazing stories, amazing stories. And they shared with me that at one point they were in Africa and uh, they weren't accepted by a village. The village wouldn't let them stay the night. So they had to go out into the bush, uh, into the wilderness and just set up a tent. And they set up the tent and made a fire and ate some dinner by the fire. And when it gets dark at night in Africa, it gets dark. And so they went to bed early. And uh, they were laying in, in their sleeping bags in the tent, and they heard the roar of some lions in the distance. And, you know, they tensed up a little, and then they heard the lions coming closer. And so they began praying, praying very hard. And the lions kept getting closer and closer to the point where they could see the shadows of the lions circling their tent. And they knew the only reason why the lions hadn't attacked them yet was because of the fire that was right outside their tent. The lions were scared of the fire. So they cried out to God with all their might, Lord, keep that fire going. They knew if they stepped out of the tent, the lions might, you know, see them and attack. So they didn't want to step outside and maybe put on some clothes onto the fire. They had no wood. 
Uh, so they just had to pray, God, keep the fire going and make the lions go away. And they kept praying and praying and praying. And hours went by, they said. And the flames just kept going. And the lions, they kept pacing. And they kept growling, just growling. And uh, these two guys, they said that after a few hours, they got into the middle of the night, and they were just exhausted. I mean, you, you imagine, sh- you know, just shouting for, for the Lord's help for hours upon hours upon hours. They fell asleep by exhaustion. And when they came to in the morning, they went outside, and the fire was gone. It was just a bit of ash going up. And there were lion tracks all in the mud. I mean, tons of lion tracks all around their tent. And the villagers came and were shocked that they were alive because they knew that the lions had come through their area. And they saw and, and they talked to the two men, and the two men told them the story. And because of that, some of the villagers accepted Christ because they were amazed that how would that fire stay going? But it was the Lord protecting his people. You see, lions, tigers, dogs, even demons, they're scared of the fire. They don't like the fire. It freaks them out. They'll show their fangs. And they'll, they'll lunge to attack, but once you put out that fire, they back off. They back off very quickly. They don't want to touch it. They don't want to be touched by it. They don't want to be touched by you. And I'll tell you, if you pray for someone that, that is being hindered by a demonic force, they're going to feel that fire, and that demon's not going to like it. And they might shake. They might say, get away from me. But the Lord, his fire is upon you, and it is purging the enemy. It's taking him out. That is the fire of God. So we have the fire of God as a source of light. It is our warmth and comfort. It's our defense. And number four, we have that it's an equalizing power. An equalizing power. All right, now, imagine if I had, okay, I got these two pieces of paper. One piece of paper is on fire. One piece of paper is not. Now, if I take these two papers and put them together, take them away, what do I now have? Two fires. That's an equalizing power. It makes this become what this is. That's what fire does. If I were to take a torch and go around this room and put it on your bags and your shoes, they're lying out, and upon you know the wood, the wood, and and you know different things, and then I come back up here. What are we going to have? We're not going to have a bag and shoes and your know, wood. We're going to have fire, and it's going to be everywhere. And it's going to be the same. Now, fire, it does burn brighter on some objects than others. But fire is fire. It's the same wherever it goes. It's an equalizing power. And what that means is when you pray for others, it spreads. It goes forth and it touches. It doesn't just stay where it is, but it wants to go. It's an equalizing power. Hebrews 12:29. our God is a consuming fire. When you are touched by the fire of God, you're going to become more like him. You're going to become, you're going to start to hear him. You're going to start feeling the things that he feels. You're going to start wanting the things that you want because fire is an equalizing power. You start to become like him through that fire. So it's not just when you pray for others, they get it, but you're getting it too. And you're becoming more and more like our heavenly father. So we got four attributes. Let me give you another. Fire is a purifying force. A purifying force. Let's say I got a, a pot of water with all this impurities in it. It's just, it's bad water. What do you do? You light a fire and you put it over it. And it boils. And because of that fire, all the impurities come out. And you can drink it. You can drink that water. 
What does a goldsmith do? A goldsmith, he takes his gold and he puts it in the pot and puts that fire on. And that fire burns all the dirt, all the impurities in the gold, and it comes to the surface. That's what we call the dross, the dross. And the goldsmith, he takes his plate and he takes off all the dross. He just wipes it all off so that gold is pure. And then what does he do? He lights that fire again. And he lets that fire burn again, more and more, until more dross comes up and he cleans it. And then he burns it again. That's why sometimes we go through seasons where we feel like, oh, the fire of God's all over me. He's purifying me. Oh, when will this end? And it finally ends. And you think, whew, that was good. Now I'm perfectly holy. Yeah, you know, and a couple weeks pass and the fire of God's all over you again. And he's purifying you more and more and more. Why? Because he doesn't want, he doesn't want fake gold. He doesn't want impure gold. He wants a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. It's when we're in the fire that we become pure, that we're able to see him, that all the impurities, all the things that are, are blocking our eyesight, it's taken off. We're able to see him clearly. Malachi chapter 3, 2 says, Who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. He is like a refiner's fire. Malachi 3, 2. So what does this fire do for us? We see that it's a source of light, that it guides us, shows us the way. It also shows who we are to this world. See that it's a warmth, it's a comfort, that God comforts us, that he warms our cold hearts, makes us more like him, enables us to love others. It's our defense. We don't need to fear evil. Fire of God's all around us. Enemy doesn't want to come in. He doesn't want to touch us. Okay? And the fire... It is an equalizing power. It's making us more and more like God. And what we can know is when we pray for others, they're getting touched as well. Because that fire doesn't stay. It moves. It keeps going. And last, it's a purifying force. As that fire is in our lives, we're going to become more and more holy. This is what the fire does. Now, what are, the fire, it does these great things. And it's like, oh, I want the fire, right? Let's get the fire of God really quick. But I got to tell you that there's consequences as well. With the fire of God. There are consequences. And this is what the Lord is calling his people to endure in this hour. And I want us to look at some of the men in the Bible who had the fire of God all over their lives. But they had some consequences they had to endure as well. First person I want us to look at is Jesus. Anyone know about Jesus in this place? A few people know Jesus? All right, that's good. That's good. So Jesus was called to come into this world and teach us about his love. He was called to die on the cross for our sins and to rise again. So, you know, that was, his, that was his calling. That was his life. I mean, that, that sounds pretty tough in of itself, but there was actually a lot more that was involved in it. Because if you look at Jesus' life, we see that up to 30 years old, up to 30 years old, we don't know anything about him. He was just a normal guy working and as a carpenter likely, for his father, and then likely his father passed away. He's not recorded in the Gospels. And so he grew up what would have been called an orphan with just his mother and his brothers. But when he was 30, the call of God came into his life. And God said, all right, now is the time. Now is the time for your ministry. And because the fire of God was so strong upon Jesus, he said, yeah, I'm going to obey. I want to be near you. You're my source of light. You're my warmth and comfort. You're my defense. You're my power. You're my purifying force. You're everything I want. I'm going to obey you. 
But we see that as Jesus did this, as Jesus obeyed the fire of God, he had to leave his family. We read in the scriptures in John 7, 5, that his brothers didn't even believe in him, that they mocked him, that they just, they thought he was just strange. These were his younger brothers as well. That must have been a hard pill to swallow. The people in his hometown were offended by him. They rejected him. Matthew 13, 57, it says they took offense at him. Who is this guy? His hometown rejected him. Jesus, he didn't even have a home to live in. Matthew 8, 20, Jesus said to the people, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You know what, Jesus, because the fire of God was so strong in his life, he would rather choose to be with God than anyone else. We read in Luke 5, 5, 16, that he often withdrew to lonely places to pray. He would rather sleep alone on a mountain than have to be around all these people. That was the fire of God. It was so strong in his life. That was just what he had to do. These were the consequences he had to endure. He had to let go of the family. He had to let go of the hometown. He had to let go of the luxuries of life and the comforts. These were his choices now. But the fire of God was so strong. He wanted the fire rather than these things. And he'd rather just be with the Lord. He'd rather just be intimate with him. So that's Jesus. That was what he endured. Now let's look at some other men. Any of you guys know about Noah? Noah, the guy, the guy with the boat. You guys know about Noah? I hope you guys do. All right, so we know that Noah lived a long, long time ago. And that was back when the earth was just really, really evil. It was really bad. We read in Genesis 6, 11, it says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. The earth was filled with violence. It was just an evil place. But we see in the Bible, Noah was found righteous before the Lord. You see, Noah had the fire of God on him. There's no way that in a whole world of evil, a whole world of evil, that one man could stay pure without the fire of God in his life. Noah wanted the Lord. He didn't want all these friends. He didn't want the things of this world. He wanted the Lord. That was the desire of his heart. He was led by the Lord. And so God gave him a calling. And we know his calling to build a huge boat in the desert. For two animals of every kind and for his family. And Noah obeyed. He didn't worry about people rejecting him, people mocking him. He didn't worry about just how foolish it looked to build a huge boat at 500 years old in the desert. He wanted God. He wanted to obey God. And he didn't care about the consequences. He didn't care about the past life. He just wanted the Lord. He was just looking to the Lord. This is what the fire does to you. It causes you... To have to let go sometimes of your friends, to let go of your house, of your hometown, of everything that maybe you once knew, because the Lord's calling you deeper. He's calling you into deeper surrender. He's calling you into his fire completely. Another guy, David. Everyone know about David? King David? Little life, David? All right, David was another special guy, all right, in the Bible who had the fire of God on him. This was a guy who had the fire of God so strongly on him that a bear couldn't kill him. A lion couldn't kill him. A giant couldn't kill him. And he was a little boy these times. He had the fire of God upon him. A fire so strong that he would just worship the Lord as a young boy and just cry out to the Lord and just want to be with the Lord. And we see that he was a man after God's own heart. That God was pleased with him. And so God anointed him to be the king over Israel. Something so powerful, and he did this in front of his entire family. 
But we know what happened. His brothers didn't believe in him. His brothers mocked him when he came to see Goliath. His own king wanted to kill him. David had to run for his life. He had to leave his family. He had to leave even his wife. He had to leave his home. He had to leave his friends. He had to leave everything because of the calling on the Lord in his life. He had the fire so strongly the enemy wanted to kill him. The enemy wanted him out right away. But David didn't complain. David didn't say, oh, I wish I was just back with the sheep. Oh, I wish that I was just back there, just like old times. Oh, I wish it could just go to someone else, this, this calling, this thing. David wanted the Lord. He had the fire of God on his life, and he wasn't getting out of that fire. He was following after the Lord no matter what it would take. And you know what? It took years. It took likely maybe even a decade before he was out of that wilderness, before he was brought out. You think your trials are tough, you know, a few weeks of being, a few, few days of being sick or something like that. Fire of God was upon David. You guys see the similarities between these people? Let me read you some other names. Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Samuel, Elijah, Elisha, Daniel. Do you know the common themes between all these people? Fire of God on their lives. They had to leave family. They had to leave friends. They had to leave their hometown. They had to give up their possessions. Some of them were made as low as slaves. But the fire of God was on their lives. And you know what? We call these men, we call them holy. We call them set apart. We call these men something special. We call them a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Because they weren't just getting on the fire of God because it felt good and then getting off when they wanted to go back to their former life. They were on the altar no matter what it took. Whether it be slavery, whether it be famine, whether it be war, they didn't care. They were staying on that altar. They were staying in the fire of God. And this is the call that God is sending to his church today. He's saying to his church, come into my fire. Come into my fire. I will guide you. I will comfort you. I will protect you. I will empower you. I will purify you. I will be with you. Come into the fire and lay everything down. Surrender everything to me. If you guys have your Bibles open, Matthew 10, let's read. Matthew 10, 34 through 39. This was on my heart, and then I listened to the Stacey Campbell uh, message on fire, and it was just like, man, so exact. This is what the Lord is calling on his people in this generation. As evil gets darker and darker, God wants his church to burn brighter and brighter. But for us to burn, we got to be in the fire. Everything. Matthew 10, 34 through 39. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it.
This is the calling on the church. God wants to guide us. He wants to comfort us. He wants to empower us, to defend us, to purify us, to make us more and more like him. But the standards are being raised. The battle is increasing. And God is saying, you are only safe in my fire. You are only safe in full surrender to me. That let down your selfishness, let down your pride, let down the things of this world that are holding you back and give me everything. And as you do that, I'm going to light you up. I'm going to do amazing things for my glory, for my sake. Matthew 3.12, we read, His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat in the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The fire of God burns up everything that is hindering us for ministry. It burns up everything that is hindering us for ministry. Be that your family, your friends, be that your home, be that your pride, be that your fear, be that your secret sins, be that anything in your life, the fire of God will burn it up. It will take care of it. It will prepare you for the ministry that he is calling you to do. It will enable you to do the things of Moses, of Noah, of David, of Daniel, because you are wholly given to him, because you are a living sacrifice strapped onto that altar, receiving all that he is. So God's calling us to surrender everything. And I'll tell you, maybe this message is is a little much for you, that, okay, I can surrender this and this and this and this, but come on, my family, you know, my, my, my friends, my future, my dreams, you know, that, that secret sin that I've just been struggling with for, for how, who knows how long, how can I give it all up? Well, I'm going to share one more attribute of the fire, one more attribute for you guys. How many of you know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You guys know this story? Okay. Let me re- you know, review it for, it for you guys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lived at a time where they were, they were slaves. They were taken from their homeland and the fire of God on their lives. They lost their family. They lost their hometown, everything. And they were servants to a king, King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar makes this huge idol. And he says, everyone must bow down. And if you do not bow down, I will throw you into the fiery furnace and you'll die. And we know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were sold out to God. They had the fire of God burning in their lives. They didn't care about this king. Even if the king was the most powerful in all the earth, he didn't measure up to God. And they weren't going to bow down to anything. And they refused. King Nebuchadnezzar got furious. And he had the guards grab the three men and throw them into the fire. You guys know what happens. But let me read King Nebuchadnezzar's words. Daniel 3.25, it says, I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth man is like the Son of God. It's like the Son of God. What happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire? They didn't die. And you know what? Those chains, those cords, those bonds that were holding them were broken off. And the greatest thing of all, they met their God there. You see, our God's an all-consuming fire. 
When we step fully into the fire of God, we meet our God. We meet him intimately. That's the sixth attribute of the fire. You're meeting God. You're coming into his presence. You're becoming like Jesus. You're knowing him intimately. As you lay it all down, as you lay down your pride, as you lay down your dreams, as you lay down your fears, as you lay down everything, everything. He wants everything about you. His promises, he'll meet you. He'll reveal himself to you in a mighty way as that fire consumes you. Now I'll tell you, Satan's going to try and lie to you. He doesn't want you in the fire. He's going to say, no, no, no. Don't give up everything. Don't give up that. Satan's going to send people in your lives and say, just don't make a commotion. Don't, don't try and stand for these things. You know, even if you don't believe in it, just bow down and be like everyone else. Just be the regular churchgoer. Just do the regular things and go home. Take care of yourself. Don't stand for God. That's what Satan wants you to hear. That's what Satan wants you to believe. But Satan's a murderer. He's a liar and he hates you. And his words are they're nothing. And if that's what he wants of us, we know we want the opposite. That God is calling us to stand. That God is calling us to abandon all. That God is saying, I'm not even going to pretend to bow down to some idol or to something of this world. I'm giving full control of it to the Lord. I'm surrendering every possession, everything in my life, and I'm giving it to him. And these are God's promises for you. In Isaiah 43, verse 2, he says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flame shall not consume you. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. James 4, 8, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. I will meet you. I will reveal myself to you in a mighty way. I just want to tell you guys, God loves you. He loves you more than anyone else in this world, more than your daddy, more than your mommy, more than your friends your brothers, your sisters, more than anyone else in this room, he adores you and he knows what is best for your life. And he is saying to each of his people, young and old, educated and uneducated, rich and poor, to each of his Christians, each of his people, those who are like Christ, come into my fire. Come in and surrender everything wholly and completely to me. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, that you are a good God. That you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. That you are an all-consuming fire, Lord. That you warm us, you comfort us. That you bring us light in the darkness, Lord. That you reveal deep and hidden things. Lord, that you defend us from the enemy. That you scare away every attack of the enemy. We thank you, Lord God, that you grant us power. That you enable us to become more and more like you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you purify us, Lord, that you cleanse us, Lord, out of the sins that we don't think we can be freed of, Lord. You are able to free us, Lord, and we thank you. And, Lord, we thank you most of all that you come and meet us, that as we step into your fire, as we step into your promises, as we obey your commands, as we surrender everything to you, you consume us 
and you meet us and you reveal yourself to us in new and more powerful and intimate ways than we could ever imagine. And Lord God, I pray that you release right now strength in your church, that call in your church, that we don't care how tired we are. We don't care what's going on in our lives. We don't care about the different pressures of man, of our work, of our family, of our friends. We don't worry about our future, but we declare that we trust in you and we want you and we lay down everything. We lay down our pride, our fears. We lay down our anger. We lay down our sin. We lay down everything before you. Because we want your fire to consume us. We want to be a living sacrifice, holy and completely to you. Lord God, I pray for your strength to rise up in your church. Freely we receive, now may we freely give. But Lord God, first we have to receive. First we have to step into it completely. Lord God, we pray, enable us to do this. Enable us to meet with you. To be truly consumed by you. You are the desire of our hearts. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I want to make an altar call right now. If this message spoke to you at all, if there's something in your life that you want to surrender to the Lord, that you want to give over to Him, if it's just a matter of saying, God, I I need your warmth, I need your comfort, I want your fire, but I want it all, I want to invite you guys to come forward. And to just stand up front. And guys, the fire of God is all over this place. But I'll tell you, this is an altar call. And by coming up to the altar, you're saying, I want to be a sacrifice. I want to be laid upon this altar. I want to be fully and completely given to you. And I don't care about the consequences. I may be rejected. I may be disdained and mocked. I may have to leave the places that I'm comfortable with. But because you're with me, that's all I need. You are the joy of my life. You are my strength and my song. You're the skip in my steps. You're the love that springs up in my heart. And I want you more than anything else. So church, I want to invite you. If you want to step into the fire, if you're feeling led to just surrender, surrender all to him, I want you to just invite you to come up and to give it all to the Lord. If there be sin, if there be something that you've held on to, repent of it and give it to the Lord. And just proclaim with your mouth, confess with your mouth that you are his and you want him and you want to meet him in his fire.